So we know from the scriptures that we read, we know that a man ought not to cover his head, and we know that a woman ought to cover her head. It says there in verse 6, let her be covered. Let her be covered. But the question that we oftentimes find, there seems to be a fair amount of confusion on what the covering ought actually to be. And I'd like to try to share some thoughts on that and address that. The word I'd like to specifically specifically look at here today is that word covered, or we could look at uncovered. But it says there, let her be covered. And that's the word that I'd like to focus on here for a little, little bit. On what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean for a woman to be covered? We looked at why a woman ought to be covered, but now we want to look and address the what. What should she be covered with? And I think so often in the past, we've addressed the what, kind of. We've addressed the what, kind of, at the neglect of the why. And so we have a lot of women today, going back to that story that I shared, these two young ladies that are, are doing it, but they don't know why. And the argument is, is that will not last. We need to know why. But we also need to know what. And there seems to be, uh, understandably, I'll say understandably, I understand it. I, I don't want to be so haughty as to act like I can't understand why anybody would come to the conclusion that a woman's hair is enough for her covering. I, I understand that. Reading the text here, as it says it, if we take it just at that, can't you all understand how someone would walk away understanding and feeling okay that for her hair is given her for a covering? I want to be careful not to belittle anyone who has that understanding, and yet at the same time I won't agree with them. But I want to do it in a way that is, that is I hope, honoring to God. And I want to be able to give that in a way that is, that is not belittling. I understand how they could come away with that understanding. There's understanding that if the hair is a glory and the hair is a covering, then what would be wrong with having a, a symbol of a covering? We call it a ditty. In our apostolic circles, we're familiar with that. Others might call it a doily. Uh, there's, there's a number of other things ways to refer to it. But the idea, and again, I don't, I understand how they would come up with this. The idea would be that, well, if the hair is her glory, as we just read that it is, and if the hair is her covering, as we just read that it is, and yet it does seem like it would be saying something here more about let her be covered, why not have all three? Why not have 
the ditty. Why not have the hair and have all, all of it together? We can have the, the ditty there, and we can have the hair there, and it's, that would be real pretty. And so these are the types of, I say arguments, I don't mean it where we've yelled or fought or anything like that. But there's, there's differences of thought on that. And I would say understandably so. And so I want to share some thoughts today that I hope will provide a little bit of clarity for us and so that we can do, as I shared in the first message on this series, so that we can actually be found keeping the tradition as Paul gave it, so that we can be actually keeping the ordinances as it was given from the apostles. We want our sisters to come before the Lord on Judgment Day covered as the apostles meant it, covered as the church has known it to be. And believe me, I know that there's plenty of arguments on that as well. One being, this is just a little side note, this isn't part of the discussion, but it just comes to my mind. Well, maybe I'll just let that lay for right now. We can maybe address that later. But we want, we want our sisters to come before the Lord covered as, as God intended it, bearing that image as he intended it, representing Christ as he, as, as he intended it, bearing that image as was in his mind and in his heart. And so with those kinds of ideas circulating around, we have to kind of work through some of those things and say, well, what is the proper, what, what, what's, what's the proper thing here? I want to go to Numbers chapter 4 again. I just want to kind of use this as an object lesson. I'll maybe use a couple scriptures from the Old Testament as object lessons. I understand that the words sometimes are a little different, especially from the Hebrew to the Greek and even in the Greek at times. So I'm using this by way of illustration. If we're thinking about that word covered... If that's what we're focusing on right now. As you all sit there and think about that, if we could take each, it'd only take a minute, I think, but if we would each take a minute and we met back there in the office and, and uh, I asked you now, um, Isaiah, what comes to your mind here when you think about covered? In a minute, you could tell me. In a minute, it doesn't take a long thesis. It doesn't take five pages. It doesn't take a doctorate to figure out what comes to our mind when we think about covered. When the waters came down, the flood came, and it covered the earth, covered the mountains. All of you sit here and think about that just for a little bit. What comes to your mind you see any mountains in that? Do you see any 
valleys in that. When you think of covered, you think of, you think of a river that just kind of flows down the middle of the earth, and that, that's what it talked about there geographically. It was just there was a, happened to be a five-mile swath in the middle of the earth that got covered there by a river. Or when we think about that deluge coming down upon the earth and covering the earth, what, what did that do? And it covered, right? In the sense that we're all understanding it right now. None of us have bought into the ideas that the flood didn't actually flood the whole earth. There are some people that think that. But we understand that the flood covered the earth and the mountains were covered. And in that sense, we understand what covered means. I think all of us understand that whenever Noah lay there intoxicated, he's passed out. This is a bad deal. There's shame associated with that. But Noah ate too many grapes, and there he was, intoxicated, out of his mind. His boys looked at him. One boy looked at him and laughed. The other boys hung their head. And they took that covering, and they backed up so that they wouldn't look upon the shame of their dad. They honored him and they respected him. And they took that covering and they backed up there, holding that covering. And as they backed up, they just they covered him up. And we have that visual in our minds as an object lesson. He was naked, I believe. None of us are thinking that they covered his toes and walked back out. None of us are thinking that they got his anchors, ankles covered and that was good enough. They covered him. So I want to look here at chapter 4 of Numbers. And... Maybe you'll remember who was a son of Kohath. I could ask you, does anybody remember who was a son of Kohath? Korah was a son of Kohath. Korah was a son of Kohath. We're going to read here about what Korah's job was. It's going to give us a little description here in chapter 4. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi, after their families by the house of their fathers, from thirty years old upward, even until fifty years old, all that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. This shall be the service of the sons of Kohath. So this is what Korah, this was Korah's job. And it says here, this shall be the service of the sons of Kohath and the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. When the camp setteth forward, Aaron, Aaron, not Kohath, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil. That covering veil that was covering the Shekinah glory that we just spoke about. They're going to take that down, and that ark that was in the midst of that holy of holies 
that was radiating in that Shekinah glory. Now they're going to take that, that veil and they're going to cover the Ark of the Testimony with it. That's a type of Christ. It's a foreshadowing of our Lord and the glory that's there. And shall put thereon the coverings of badger's skins and shall spread over the cloth holy of blue and shall put in the staves thereof. And upon the table of showbread they shall spread a cloth of blue and put thereon the dishes and the spoons and the bowls and covers to cover withal. And the continual bread shall be thereon. And they shall spread upon them a cloth of scarlet and cover the same with a covering of badger's skins and shall put in the staves thereof. And they shall take a cloth of blue and cover the candlestick of the light and his lamps and his tongs and his snuff dishes and all the oil vessels thereof wherewith they minister unto it. And they shall put it and all the vessels thereof within a covering of badger's skins and shall put it upon a bar. And upon the golden altar shall they spread a cloth of blue and cover it with a covering of badger's skins and shall put to the staves thereof. It goes on and it goes on and it goes on here. I'm wanting to use that as an object lesson. Verse 6 of 1 Corinthians, it says, Let her be covered. Let her be covered. Now, I don't know how you picture it in your mind, but I know how I picture it in my mind, them taking down that veil... taking down that veil and when they spread that over that ark you couldn't see that ark anymore they didn't take that veil roll it up we used to have wrestling mats back in school be the big thick pads and they'd roll that up or the way the carpet gets rolled up this this rug here get rolled up they didn't take that veil and roll it up take that big roll now of a veil and drape it over that ark and now you can see the ends of the ark hanging out that would have been a deadly thing to do it would have been a deadly thing to do because anyone that touches that ark, as we know by Uzzah, who put forth his hand, the ark wasn't covered. It was another violation, I think. But anyone brush up against that holy thing. These are instruments of glory. These are instruments that are wholly dedicated unto God. And here we're speaking of a woman's glory, her hair. And these holy, glorious items, these, these bowls and these spoons and these tables, and, and here is the ark. God is giving specific detail. He's giving specific detail to the sons of Aaron, how they ought to cover them so that when the sons of Kohath come and to do their duty and carry them out, they don't die. They're not to look upon it. If they look upon it, they're dead. They're dead men. If they, if they want to take a peek underneath that thing, and you can't look at something if it's covered. But if we would have read on there, if they were to look, they were dead. 
So these items are covered. These items are covered. And it actually, pre- it actually preserved the household of Kohath. The sons of Kohath lived because Aaron did his job of covering it. If Aaron didn't do his job of covering those glorious instruments, then the sons of Kohath would be dead. There's a thought that's expressed sometimes that it's legalistic for a woman to cover all of her head. We don't want to be legalistic about it, and so we, we, we shrink it down. We don't want to put out any sizes of head coverings, and I wouldn't want to put out a size of a head covering because my, I mean, my wife's hair is as thick as a lion's mane, and I know that there's some other ladies that have hair that's not quite that thick. And I mean, you know, a, a, I don't know, a 20 by 20. I, I've never measured my wife's head covering. I don't know if I'd cover her, her hair back there. And maybe some ought, I'll be able to get on just fine with a 12 by 12. I have no idea. I would never put a number to that thing. That, that would tend to be maybe a little legalistic. But whatever is necessary to cover the hair, who would have looked at Aaron and said, boy, Aaron, Aaron, now you're getting a little legalistic about that. God said cover it up. You're getting a little legalistic. I mean, how many badger skins does it take there, Aaron, to get that thing covered? Aaron was just being obedient to God. It's never legalistic to be obedient to God. That's never legalism. Now, a woman could cover her head and not embrace everything that we've talked about up to this point, and she's doing it out of pressure. She's doing it, but she's still kicking at home. She's still resisting dad at home. She's still fighting against dad at home. She's still stubborn. She's still making dad's life pretty miserable there at home, but she's got a head covering on. When she goes out, she's legalistic. That's legalism. But for a woman to take the commandment as it's given here and apply it, Aaron was not being legalistic by doing it. He was just being obedient to God. We don't call that legalism. That's not legalism. So what comes to your mind when we use that word covered? I just gave some, a few object lessons there of what that covering looks like. And I would tend to say that there's not one of us here, as we thought about that, envisioned the ark with both ends hanging out. I would tend to imagine that there's not one of us here, that when we think about the flood covering the earth, there's not one of us here that would think that that was merely a river that covered a small swath of the earth. Or that when they backed in over Noah, that they just covered his toes. We understand the word covering. We understand the word covering. You may regret taking that clock down. But I want to I point out, so when it says, let a woman cover her head, let her be covered, it says, we're clearly speaking of a fabric cloth. 
we're clearly speaking of something more than just the hair. And I want to point that out. And when we're speaking about the word covered, we're, we're understanding in the sense that of what covered actually means. But some might say that they would use the argument that the hair is to be the covering. The hair alone is to be the covering. Well, there's a number of problems with that. I won't be able to hit on all of them, but I'll just, I'll just touch on it briefly, that the hair is her covering. That word hair there, I just, I just want to point this out. I'm going to read it. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. That word covering, and I am no Greek scholar, but I can do this. I can look up that word covering in the Greek, and then I can look up the word covered in the Greek, where it speaks about let her be covered. I can look up that word in verse 6, and I can look up that word in verse 15, and even though I'm not a Greek scholar, even though I know really nothing about Greek, I can tell you real quick, those are two different words in the Greek. It's not the same word. Now, don't ask me what the word is. I, I'm not going to be able to tell you that necessarily. But I can tell you that that word covering there is a different, it's a different Greek word. It still has a very similar meaning. I don't want you to take me that, oh, it means something entirely different. It has a similar meaning. But now if we just take that, now if we say that the woman's, don't lose me on this. Pay, pay attention to this part because it's just simple reasoning. It's just simple logic. But sometimes because of the poor communicator, we, we miss this. But if we just take that logic here, and we, and, and, and we just logically apply that now, and we're going to say that the hair is the covering. Just bear with me a moment, and we're going to take that, that group that says that the hair is enough. The hair is the covering. If we take that now and we apply it, let's just see how this sounds. Let's just see how this sounds. Let's, let's go here, and let's, let's now take that word and apply it. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head bald, because that's what it would, that's what it's going to have to say here. If, just bear with me a little bit. There's going to be a better way to say this, I'm sure. But it's saying here, every man having his head covered, that means he's got hair on it. This man has hair on his head. Dishonoreth his head. Okay, so he's got to pray bold. If the hair is the covering, he's got to pray bold. He can't have any hair up there. I'm out. You're all out. It's got no, no hair. If the hair is the covering. Okay? But now verse 6, for if the woman be not covered, so if the woman doesn't have hair is what it's saying here. If we're going to take that thing, if the woman doesn't have hair, let her also shave her hair. 
That's what it's saying there. If, if the woman be not covered, so if the woman doesn't have hair, if that's the, if that's the way we're going to understand this, if the woman doesn't have hair, then let her be shorn. Let her cut her hair off. Well, how does she cut her hair off if she doesn't have any? So it, it really doesn't make sense, does it? Now, you go home and think about that a little bit more, make sense out of that. You'll understand what I'm saying when you study that out. But that, that, that doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. So clearly, clearly what we're speaking about here is when we're speaking of the covering, we're speaking about something other than the hair. It's something additional to the hair. Let her be covered. It's, it's let her have her hair, but there's something additionally added to that. And let it cover. And let it cover. So, he's using by analogy this hair. And we don't ever take the analogy and apply that to the actual thing, do we? Can you think of an analogy where you use something as an analogy and you're actually speaking of the actual thing? He's saying here, judging yourselves, is it commonly that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you? So he's using by way of analogy here. He's saying, look, take a look at nature. Look at nature here. He's using an analogy. But the analogy is not, you get what I'm saying with that? Look at nature. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Okay, so I want to I I say a few things about this because I think it's really beautiful and I think we've really lost it. Paul is saying here, look, doesn't, doesn't nature even teach you something here? When you look at a man, now this is 2,000 years ago, but when you look at a man and you see a man with long hair, aren't you repulsed inside? Now, why would that be repulsive? It doesn't make any sense that that would be repulsive except in the image of God, that man was created in the image of God. There is something unnatural about that. And it is inborn in us to look at men who have long hair and, and to be repulsed. But are you? I hope. I'll be honest, sometimes I look at men nowadays that have long hair and it doesn't repulse me to the degree that I think it should. But doesn't even nature teach you that if a man have long hair, it's, it's a shame to him. It is a dishonor. This thing is, something has went wrong. What is this man doing? And I'll tell you the reason that it's not as much today is because, again, we have been conditioned. We have been conditioned where we live in a culture that has become extremely infeminate, where manhood is not in its proper place anymore, and where womanhood is not in its proper place anymore. And so we look at a man today who's made himself infeminate, he's made himself to look like a woman, and it does not repulse us to the degree that it ought to. But Paul's saying here, listen, doesn't that tell you something that a woman, that a man, if he has that long hair, doesn't that say, like, that's not right? And he's using that by way of analogy. See, when you come before God and pray with your head covered, that's not right. He's using it as a way of analogy. And he's saying it for the, for the woman as well, that look, let me, let me see here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss it. 
It says, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. And he's saying here, again, by way, way of analogy, judging yourselves, is it commonly that a woman praying to God uncovered? And he's using that hair as an analogy again. When's the last time you've seen a woman? I seen it just the other day. She's walking down the road. She's an older lady. She looked like she was tired. She was trying to exercise, and maybe she needed to be sitting down. And she was hunched over, and she was working her way down the, the walkway, the sidewalk, and she had man hair. I'll just say she had man hair. It's cut like a man. It shouldn't be surprising that the rest of her was entirely inappropriate, too. But here this older woman hunkered over, is working her way down this sidewalk in the heat of the day, trying to exercise. And I thought, ugh. Ugh. I mean, you just look at it, and it's just like, but, but is that actually how it is? When we see these ladies, and they're cutting their hair short. They're cutting their hair shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. When's the last time you actually really grieved about that? When's the last time you actually like, like wept that this woman cut her hair? I think we've been desensitized, at least in this area. We've been kind of desensitized. We, it doesn't hit us like it ought to. I mean, I remember the day when a sister cut her hair, and it was a shameful thing. It was like, my, what has she done? She's going to the world. She's fallen. She's of the world now. And now today, they, it's, is it really that way? Or have we lost something? Have we gotten kind of comfortable? No, I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable with it. But have we got conditioned to be like, ah. Eh. But before God, and looking at that image that we talked about earlier, this is a horrible example. It's a horrible example. I'm going to say it, but it's a horrible example. I think we've gotten conditioned where a woman cutting her hair off does not repulse us, does not horrify us, does not terrify us like, like it ought to. I think we've been conditioned by the society around us. It's trying to press us into its mold, and it's pressing out women who have the, the hair cut just like men, and it lets men grow their hair out long. And we've seen this pressed out and pressed out and pressed out one after another. Just pull the lever down, there out pops another one, pull out another. It's the vogue and the fashion of the day for a woman to have short hair. She's saying something. She's defining herself. And it's all so prevalent around us, we've gotten comfortable with it. It doesn't grieve us and grate against us and, and like, ah, oh, this is horrible. And it's, and it's kind of like, and this is a terrible example. But I remember whenever, uh,
Maybe I won't say that. It's a horrible example. But I seen, when I was unconverted, I seen a picture of a man that had long hair. He had a white face. He had demon eyes. He had changed his eye coloring. I don't know how. But he also changed the form of his body. And he looked like a grotesque monster. Looked absolutely. And I looked at that. I did not have the Spirit of God in me. I was not converted. It didn't need that. Nature itself taught me that was horrible. Nature itself taught me that is demonic. Nature itself taught me I want nothing to do with that. I wanted to never see anything like that again. And when a woman cuts off her hair and a man grows out his hair before God, when God has made them in his image and in his likeness, do we really understand what that is before God? I was repulsed by that. But do we realize that when a woman cuts off her hair and cuts off her glory, what she's actually doing? She's marring the image of God. And it's repulsive before God. Now, does it hit us that way? Does it touch us that way? I, you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know that any of us here are really touched that way. We've gotten used to it, and we need to recover that back. Her hair is given to her for a covering. Her hair is her glory. Why would a woman cut off her glory? She needs to cover her glory. I think that we can establish scripturally why a woman needs to cover her hair. A woman needs to cover her hair. A woman needs to cover her head. Now we could, we could, we could, uh, we could spend time. There's maybe just a couple last points that I'm thinking about here. So a woman's covering is not just her hair. A woman's covering is to cover, it's to be long, it's, it's not to be cut off. When we use that word covering, it just nature itself teaches us what covering actually is. But yet, I think because 
the reason why there's some confusion on what actually is a covering today has a lot to do with the woman who has been made to feel embarrassed, who has been made to feel ashamed, who has been so self-conscious and aware that the world is looking at her, that in order to avoid some of those glares and some of those stares and some of that ostracizing and some of that belittling and some of that passive aggression, she sought to make it a little easier on herself by, by shrinking it down. To where that, where it's called a head covering, but what it actually is, it's a symbol of a covering because it actually doesn't cover the head. And any, and any, logical thinking through this, we, we wouldn't apply this to anything else. I, I, there's been I'm a number of sisters now that have had interesting experiences. They've bumped into some ladies of the world, and the lady of the world, innocently enough, looks at the, the sister, and she says, what's that thing on your head? And the sister smiles. Here's a wonderful opportunity. Here's a wonderful opportunity for me to share my faith. It's finally worked. You know, we said, ah, we're this, and this is a way we can. So now, woman of the world, here she stands. Ma'am, what is that thing on your head? The sister gently goes to 1 Corinthians 11 and says, well, in the scripture, it says that a woman ought to cover her head. Let her be covered. And the woman of the world looks at her, deer in the headlight look, dazed, confused, and looks at her and, and, and on all innocency, all, all innocency, looks at her and says, but that doesn't cover your head. Mm. That's like when witnessing goes bad. That's That's... Now what do you say? Mm. Well, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of a covering. And we need to be really careful with that. When it's a symbol of a covering, I want to read this scripture. If I can find it here real quick. Brother Jason shared this with me a little while back, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since. If I can find it. It's speaking here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And it goes through there and gives a list of terrible things that we undoubtedly see all around us today. But, but the, the verse that Jason pointed out to me that just struck me. And I believe it can clearly be connected to the head covering in our day and time. Is verse 5. It says, having a form of godliness 
but denying the power thereof. When we take the head covering and make it purely symbolic, because that's what we have to do in the sight of the world, when the world challenges us and says, but it doesn't cover your head, and we take it to a symbol, and we take it to a form, having a form of godliness, it's a form, it's saying something, it's there, but it's a symbol. It's not actually doing what God commanded it to do, and that is that it cover. It's not doing what the apostles said to do, that so ought a woman to have power on her head because of the angels. We've taken that thing, there's a form of it there, but we're denying the power thereof. That power that is to be there on the head because of the angels, we've taken it, shrunk it down, and made it into a symbol. We've made it into a form. So I'm going to close. For the last 2,000 years, this is really truly amazing. For the last 2,000 years, the church, now when I say the church, I mean every aspect of the church. There might have been some strange sect along the way, but I'm talking about the Catholic church, I'm talking about the Orthodox church, I'm talking about the Protestant church, I'm talking about the Anabaptist church, I'm talking about every aspect of Christianity for the last 2,000 years has been in agreement on the head covering. Now, they had different styles. They had different ways of doing it. Some of them were hideous looking. And within those groups, they had different styles. But they were all unanimously in agreement. Now, now I say that. There could have been some strange group. But generally, as a whole, the world, churches, along with the true churches, understood what it meant for a woman to cover her head. For 2,000 years, there was agreement on that. They might disagree on non-resistance. They might disagree on divorce and remarriage. They might disagree on what it means to be separated from the world. They might disagree on church and state. But one thing they were in agreement on was the head covering. For 2,000 years. And what has happened? What has happened so that now among God's people, we struggle to be in agreement on what seems to be just reading it as a child would read it? It, it seems to be so simple. The other night, we were sitting there in our, at home, and I thought, I'm going to do a little bit of an object lesson here. I'm going to do an experiment. I'm just going to do an experiment. We do devotions. We're sitting around the family table, and I think to myself, I think, Okay, this seems pretty simple to understand what it means to be covered. I'm going to see how simple it actually is. I took a little block, and I put it on the table while we're still sitting there, and I says to my little five-year-old daughter, her little two-year-old sister was in the other room. She was not part of this experiment. She was in the other room, had no idea what was going on. I says to my five-year-old little girl, I said, honey, would you please find something and cover up that block? She looks around, runs over, grabs a 
think it was a dish towel, comes over and covers up that block. I say, very good, thank you. That's all I needed done. I took, I forget what it was, I think it was a cupcake wrapper. And I took that cupcake wrapper and I folded it in half. And I said, now, honey, tell me this. And I put that cupcake wrapper on top of that little block there. And I says to my five-year-old little girl, I said, now, sweetie, is that block covered? And she just laughs at me. No? Okay, thank you very much. Bring out my two-year-old. I said, okay, Avin, we got... We got three, sorry, three, little three-year-old. She's up next. Put the block on the table. My three-year-old little girl. I says, sweetheart, you find something clever up that block. And she looks around, and I don't know if she found a little blankie, but it didn't take her any time at all to go find that little blankie and take it, and she put it up there, and she did her job, covered it up, said, thank you very much. You did a good job. My wife had a little Band-Aid little Band-Aid, you know how it comes to cover up the sticky part, what's left of the Band-Aid after you put it on. She took that little Band-Aid wrapper. I took that Band-Aid wrapper, and I put it up there on that block, and I says to my little three-year-old, is that block covered? And she looks at me like, of course it's not covered. You know, these little children can teach us grown adults So what's the struggle? For 2,000 years, this has been common sense. Covered is not difficult to understand. For 2,000 years, these people have known for 2,000 years of what it means to cover. I I could show you the quotes. Anybody that's interested, I can give you the quotes of men. I mean, it ranges from, I mean, it's across the board. John Calvin probably having one of the best ones on it. I don't give him much credit very often, but he had probably one of the best quotes on the head covering. And so what has happened that these children know, the world looking upon us knows, is because we've been influenced by the world. The world is trying to press us into its mold. The world is trying to take us and push us and press us into its mold. And I hope and pray that our sisters can realize there's something glorious here. There's nothing to be ashamed. You cover your head and it gives you power. You cover your head because you have glory upon your head and you need to cover that glory. You cover your head as a political expression to the world. I embrace God and his teachings on womanhood. You cover your head and you be that mom and that wife that God has called you to be. And it's a beautiful, it, there's no greater power given. There's no greater power given. It's common sense. But the reason it's not common sense is because we've bought in and we felt pressured and we felt ashamed and we felt embarrassed. And I hope we can repent of that and cra- grab a hold of this apostolic tradition that the apostles clearly gave us. I hope we can embrace it. I hope it's something that we can proclaim and not be ashamed of. All in there. There's a, you've been very kind to listen. And uh, I hope that the Lord will bless it. 
I don't know if we want to sing another song, and then we'll have one of you brothers close with a hand.